Hey, uh, everybody out there. Hope you guys are all doing well. Um, if you can tell by the sound of my voice, that was, uh, that was a rough episode of Andor. Um, if you listened to the main show a couple of days ago with Jerry, uh, thanks Jerry for coming on again. Um, I mentioned how last week's episode felt pretty bleak, but if I'm being honest, uh, this episode was was so much more dour, it seems, than uh, than last week. And I should have known. You know, last week was kind of setting the stage. And this is the one where, um, yeah, things are, are, are really not good. Um, you know, seeing these characters kind of get uh, pushed into a corner... Uh, you know, their backs are up against the wall in, in multiple different, um, ways, you know, different characters are, um, but hey guys, uh, it's Rick. I forgot, <laughs> forgot to do that. Um, we're talking about episode, uh, and or nine, uh, and or episode nine. Oh my God. It scrambled my brain a little bit. Um, the episode was called nobody's listening. It was about uh, 45 minutes of showtime and, um, yeah, um, we'll, we'll try to make this quick, but you know, first thing, so the music starts off at the beginning of the episode, and I'm like, all right, sounds a little upbeat, bit of a, a little ripper song in the beginning, and uh, boy, does that take a turn as uh, this show gets going, because, you know, we got uh, Bix, you know, detained and questioned by uh, Dedra Miro, trying to find out information about Cassian, uh, the mention of a place called Jandora. And there was a couple of names in this episode that uh, did not sound familiar. Jandora and uh, Dixon Frey and uh, I forget, uh, Lozash, I think was the third one. But anyway, that's not relevant. Um, the, you know, a quick question about who possibly recruited um, Solomon Pock two years prior. Was that Marva? No, no. Um, but... Dedra says something about um, how these uh, people are, are, she's trying to put the pieces together between Axis, quote unquote Axis, and, you know, being the buyer, we, who we know is Luthen, but, uh, you know, tracing it all back to Bix and everybody on Ferrix and she calls it a nest of relationships, uh, which is, you know, and it's essentially what the early rebellion is it's a good way to describe what this show is as well you know we've got we're finding out that people know each other that uh we might have suspected but we don't really know or we hadn't known how tangled these uh relationships uh had been up to this point um you know like i said bakes up to um luthan and his connections to mon mon and take Colma, finding out that Tay was uh, a quote-unquote old boyfriend. I don't want to say that I said so, but I did kind of say so a couple weeks ago. But yeah, doesn't matter. Um, Vel being Mon Mothma's cousin. Um, okay. You know, some people had thoughts about uh, possible relations between Vel and Luthen being maybe a daughter or something like that, but uh, they threw us a little curveball. And um, yeah, Vel and, and Mon Mothma are related. And Mon telling her, like, just pretend to be a rich girl for a while. You know, just do the thing, play the part, have some fun. Um, but within these relationships, you know, seeing how things are going down, 
in the prison on Arkina 5. And, you know, again, taking notes for this episode, um, the first thing I wrote about Olaf was uh, that he hurt his hand. And uh, boy, did I not uh, think that it was going to go that way. The way. I mean, we knew he was going down. I mean, I'm sorry. Well, I think we'd seen it for the last, you know, in last week's episode, we saw some things about him that he was not 100%. And he's an old, he's an older guy. Um, who knows how long he's been in that prison system. But either way, uh, Olaf's uh, going down. Um and uh, this episode jumped around a lot. It was a very um, disjointed, uh, even though all very connected and seamless, but a very disjointed, almost schizophrenic kind of episode where, you know, you, you're, you're getting lit little bits and pieces of everybody's story and then it would just jump to the next thing. So, I mean, we go from the prison thing back to Bix and the torture with uh, the Dixonites in the sound. I thought that thing that they were going to put on her head was like an Oculus, like she was going to see things, but it turns out it was more like a Lobot kind of headpiece dealie. Um, and when the music dropped before, uh, Bix just listening to, I guess the Dixonite children as they screamed and, you know, whatever it was that they manipulated that sound and uh, it got to her right away. Um, but the music stopped and it just leaves us with her breathing um, was, uh, it was uncomfortable. I I don't know how else to put it. Um, but you know, like I said, this, this, this episode did, didn't give us any time to like feel any kind of way for these characters in the moment, except for at the end. Um, but you know, we see within the prison that, you know, Cassie and he's got a plan in place. He's trying to find out information from some of the other inmates we see him go into i guess the refresher there um and he's cutting away at uh, maybe like a metal conduit or something he looks like he's been uh kind of hacking away at it a little bit he's so he's had a plan in place we've been here for a while we know in the last episode that he was there for at least 30 cycles but we so we don't know um how many i didn't really look and see in there cells when they're eating later on if uh, we see numbers for for each of them but Cassians excuse me it's early guys um Cassian's uh you know he's reading what's going on and we've we saw this on Aldani that he's perceptive you know he with the whole kind of left hand right hand thing with uh Skeen and uh Gorm no it wasn't Gorm it was uh I don't remember yeah it was going no I don't anyway his perceptions are, are, he's learning and, you know, he's starting to figure out patterns and how many guards there are, but he doesn't really know exactly. Um, and you know, he's talking to the, the other, one other inmate about the lift not being wired and he's, you know, he's formulating a plan and, you know, to, to find out that he's asking, um, Kino Loy, uh, Andy Serkis, kind of like, what's going on? Like, for information, Kino's telling him, like, hey, man, we knew from last week, you know, Kino only had 249 cycles left. Who knows how much time has passed, but um, he's kind of on his way out, or at least he thinks he is. Um, but uh, excuse me while I flip some pages here, because, uh, again, it did take some notes. Um, there was... Um, 
again, these other connections, um, I, I'm, I don't know. There's, there was just so much in this episode. You know, there's that mention of Maya Pei, who was mentioned last week between Saw and Luthen. There was a, a look at the Senate again, where as Mon Mothma's kind of talking about whatever it was that she was talking about, you know, those people that are yelling like long live the empire or we should be listening to her. Some of these pods are actually like turning off, which like rude. Um, and again, that nobody's listening. People don't want to hear about what's going on in the galaxy, whether they have a good with the empire or knowing that descent would get them in some kind of trouble as the ISB is kind of clamping down. Um, you know, the, the threat is real. And with that clamping down, we find out that something happened on level two. And I guess this was in a, a clip that they released uh, yesterday. I didn't watch the clip. I don't want to know things early. Um, and I know that they're smart enough to probably not spoil it, anything in a clip. But, you know, this was all new information to me. Finding out something happened on level two and, uh, you know, losing it on Melshi of like telling him like to shut up, man. Like, Finding out that all of those people on level two were quote unquote set free. That's what Melshi says. And uh, Kino kind of goes ape on him, kind of goes ham on him. But um, yeah, just so much to cover in this episode. Um, and, you know, by the end, you know, with Olaf's slowly going down, Cyril is slowly building himself up. Um, that scene with Edie where she's again chastising him again about how she's had to help him all out. And he says that he got promoted, which we come to find out his promotion was very inadvertent on Dedra's part, just saying that he had a clean bill of health. And his like slurping his cereal while she's talking. Um, eh, bit of comedy in the episode. I mean, it worked. But then to find out that his sick ass is like stalking Dedra outside of ISB, says that he's been watching her and stuff. I'm like, bro, the fuck is wrong with you? Um, yeah, it was, again, just uncomfortable. <laughs> That's that little speech of him talking could have been the torture that Bix was listening to. Um, because I wanted to scream too. I mean, that dude is, uh, there's something wrong with that man. Um, I mean, we've known. And, you know, people have been some speculation about, oh, maybe he'll join the rebellion. He ain't doing it now. I don't want him. Go back to whatever it is you're doing, Cyril. Um, I'm, not, I'm not digging on that. Uh, the conversation between Perrin and Vel, also uncomfortable uh, from Perrin's side because he's, you know, he's a dick. But, you know, he's telling Vel, you know, that she was going to go home back to Kentrandrilla. You're going to find a husband. She was like, uh, well, it wasn't on my list of things to do. Because we know that she's with something. But, um, and he's such a fucking dick, that guy. Um, yeah, it just... <sighs> so much. Um, and the, the parting between Mon and Kay. That whole... There have been bits of these episodes that have been um, little manifestos in their own right. You know, and I, I said this a few weeks ago about how there are no wasted lines in this show. There's no wasted motivations in this show. And those little lines between Mon Mothma and um, Vel as Vel is leaving, when things are starting to get more dire and serious, at least that's how Mon is feeling. You know, her money's might be tracked and all of that. Um, and she, you know, asks Vel, uh, what have we done? 
And Val says, we've chosen a side. Uh, we're fighting against the dark. We're making something of our lives. Uh, it just, you know, I, you almost wonder if, you know, Mon is having sep second thoughts about these things. If You know, we know she's in it. She's going to be in it much later on. But, I mean, um, you know, what what is it that uh, is, um, you know, scaring her? You know, that, that fear versus hope is very prevalent in these last couple of episodes. You know, Cassian has a hope of getting out um, by whatever means. And Mon has a, has a hope of changing the galaxy. But as things are getting tighter and tighter against them, uh, that hope seems to be fading. Uh, so much so that when, when Takeoma tells her that he's bringing in a banker uh, by the name of Davos Skaldin... Like, she's not keen on it. She calls him a wealthy thug. And, um, again, these connections... The way this whole show's been written... Uh, again, this episode written by Bo Willimon, directed by Toby Haynes again. Um, weaving all of this stuff together has been nothing short of spectacular. And I mean, I didn't think we were going to get another mention of uh, Anto Krieger again. But the ISB knows who Anto Krieger is. Uh, they're going to bait Anto Krieger. Uh, they, they arrested a, a rebel pilot and they're going to, they, the, the quick planning on the part of the ISB in this part of, you know, killing the pilot, using the pilot as bait for Anto to use as bait for whoever, you know, just the rebellion at large, it seems. Um, and the, uh, Part of gas, you know, like commending them for their quick work, but then just sitting there for a second and kind of, I don't know if he's like reveling in it or like, this is like the, this is it moment for him. Like it's finally, I don't know. Um, it was kind of hard to read his face in that moment, but, um, as they are succeeding, Olaf is, uh, steadily going down still. And it's, um, you know, it's something that we haven't really discussed, uh, you know, like the, the, the makeup, I mean, he looked really ill, um, and in his end, you know, getting that little bit of information uh, as Dr. Rossiv comes in. Two very strange doctors in this episode, Dr. Rossiv and Dr. Gorst in the beginning, uh, played by Joshua James. Uh, like, creepy as hell, that dude. And this guy trying to remain heartless. You know, they're saying his name is Olaf. Um, you know, it reminded me of Fight Club. When uh, Meatloaf dies in the whole, uh, his name is Robert Paulson, you know, in uh, Project May, in, in Death in Project Mayhem, you have, everybody has a name. And uh, Cassian and Kino are trying to at least give Olaf that bit of dignity. And the doctor is saying, I, I don't want to know his name. Like, he can't have that connection. He's a prisoner also, um, much like Kino, who's, you know, thinking that he's going to be on his way out. But then we find out what happened on level two. Somebody got out on level four, ended up back in level two. And I, the details are a little bit hazy. Again, I'm going to watch this one again. Uh, if he was released and brought back in or if he got out and got back in, I don't, I'm not exactly sure. But then, you know, finding out that all of the inmates on level two were fried because of it. Um, and, uh, Dr. Ross of giving them that information and the closing of 
uh, Cassian asking Kino one more time how many guards are on each level, and Kino saying no more than 12. Um, the wheels are turning, you know, whatever, whatever it is that they're building, those wheels are turning. And obviously, you know, the next episode being the close of the arc, you know, we'll see that prison break or whatever the hell's going to happen. If there's some kind of prison revolt, um, who knows, but yeah, th things are happening. And, um, there was that look of, it was weird that the look of determination that Cassian and Kino have at the end and then going into the music at the end where it was this very sad outro music. Um, it started on this high and it just went way the hell down. Um, so we'll see for next week how this thing goes in episode 10. Um, yeah, just uh, so much, you know, it, I have to go to work after this, guys. I feel real down. <laughs> Olaf dying and this, the, the wall's kind of closing in. Um, but again, there's hope, you know, that, that things will turn around for, for for our crew, our trusty band of rebels, however they are. Uh, and a nice little mention of Kafreen at the end. So maybe, I don't know, I just got to thinking about, uh, what was his name? Pablo, the, the not Pablo from the beginning of... Uh, Rogue One that uh, Cassian kills. And I can't remember his name. That was a name I've, I've had locked in my head for a very long time, and I can't remember a man's name. Um, but yeah, maybe there's some connection there to uh, to that guy. But, um, yeah, friends, uh, if you have any uh, comments or questions uh, concerning Episode 9, nobody's listening. I hope you're listening. Uh, send those to me, uh, comlink, C-O-M-L-I-N-K at jamtransmissions.com. Uh, quick follow to me on, uh, on the Twitter box, uh, at Cabane's Bounty. Follow the show at JT Comlink. Uh, looking forward to what you guys uh, might have to say. Uh, and if not, you know, I hope you guys will be around for the weekend. Uh, I haven't secured a guest yet. Um, but we'll see that, that could all change. But, um, yeah, another tense, uh, a killer episode of Andor. So uh, I'll let you guys go and uh, enjoy the rest of your weeks. We will all chat soon. May that force be with you.